This podcast is supported by HealthGenYZ, an organization that advocates for young adults in their physical, mental, social, and financial health. Is this coronavirus impacting you financially? Please share your voice with us by participating in our latest coronavirus survey. To show our appreciation for your participation, in this survey, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a $10 cash gift card. Up to 20 participants will have a chance to win a $10 cash gift card. We understand that may not be a lot to some, but during these economic hardships, a little bit can go a long way. Go to the link in the podcast episode description or go to healthgenyz.com and complete the survey. And most importantly, let your voice be heard. Please support our sponsors by taking the survey to make this show possible. I was cool with school being out though. I was I was ready to go home, bro. I was tired. My mental had been trained, bro. Um, I was cool with all of it, man. I was I wanted to go home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host Kendall Camp, and this is our first episode released for 2021. Um, I really first off just want to say thank you guys to all the people who are still supporting the podcast, the people who listen, who repost, who send me messages, DMs, anything. It means so much. I look back at 2020 and we were able to do about 21 or I believe 22 episodes, um, which is crazy because we dealt with a pandemic. I was doing school full time. I was doing internships. I was a part of like, I think like three or four fellowship programs. Like, so I actually still like get this done and putting out content. Um, it really, it's more, of course, like I love doing it, but when you guys listen to it and give me feedback, it gives me more of a motivation to keep going back to it. So honestly, just thank you guys so much. As far as this episode today, I brought on one of my big brothers. One of He's really an OG to me, even though he's only two years older than me. Um, his name is Grant Bennett. Um, he's done a lot. Um, you know, I hate kind of doing these intros to where like I have to say off some of these resumes because I don't want to sound too scripted, but I really didn't want to say all the man all the things this man has done because it's just a lot. Um, he's from Bayfield, North Carolina. And if you are from the South and I messed it up, I'm sorry. I'm from Northern California. Um, he played baseball at Morehouse. He's been a part of programs at Harvard, Cal Berkeley. He now works at Google. He's attending grad school at Columbia. And the biggest thing to him really is being a founder of a nonprofit called the Two Six Project, which we'll discuss more. And he's really the the main point of the discussion today is graduating during a pandemic. We kind of talked about that at the top, but just speaking about like, what was that like for him? Cause obviously like that's never been done before his kids, his grandkids, they're going to talk to him and be like, yo, like what was it actually like graduating college during a pandemic being, being in quarantine? Um, you know, we really decided to discuss like him finishing up college. We discussed finding clarity on his passions. Also how Jay Cole got him to go to Morehouse, which is a great story. And being interviewed by Bill Clinton and what the 2-6 project means to him. Um, if you're listening right now, show me that you're tuned in by taking a screenshot and posting your Instagram stories that you're listening to the Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Again, take a screenshot and post on your Instagram stories that you're listening to the Privileged Black Kids Podcast today with our special guest, Grant Bennett. Make sure to tag our official Instagram page, which is at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. I will put the names, everything in the description. Um, also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to hear more content at Privileged Black Kids. And give a rate and review if you end up liking this podcast as well. Make sure to share with all your family and friends and DM me on, on Instagram for any feedback. Again, please just DM me on Instagram for any feedback. And thank you guys so much for love and support. And here's another episode of Privileged Black Kids. What's up, y'all? It's another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. Today, we're recording on December 29, 2020 with my boy, recent graduate 
of Morehouse College, Grant Bennett. Um, Grant, really first off, man, like how have you been lately and what have you been up to? Yeah, man. Uh, first off, man, I, I appreciate this, man. Um, you know, we go back years now, just, you know, our relationship with Morehouse, man. So just appreciate that you, you know, you thought of putting me on here, bro. Um, but man, I, I've been good, bro. Uh, graduated from Morehouse in May, um, you know, started my role with Google as a people analyst in September. So I've been doing that remote here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, that same time span, I, I've been a well, I, I kind of just stopped, but I was uh, taking classes at Columbia um, in their School of Professional Studies, Human Capital Management Master's Program. Um, literally just put on my first 4.0 ever. Wow. So, Congrats, um, bro. Man, appreciate that, homie. Appreciate that. So like, um, been busy with, with my nonprofit, man, a 2-6 project. Been doing a lot of cool projects here in the city. So um been been extremely busy since uh since i've graduated man but super excited to be on here bro yeah definitely and we'll we'll definitely get back to more of the two six project stuff because i definitely want to ask about that um i was wondering you know since i guess you graduated how have you been trying to manage google master's program your nonprofit? like how do you try to manage time and get everything done yeah man um it's a lot easier than it sounds, to be honest, man. I think my, my life in college was so hectic, bro, just being involved in so much that, like, the, the lifestyle I'm living now is a lot easier, bro. It just is, man. Um, Why would you I say think, that? Oh, man, in college, I was super accessible, bro. Like, like it, and I didn't know how to say no either when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when always being on campus, it didn't matter who needed what, like people knew where to find me, you know, to be able to do some extra stuff. Um, on top of that, bro, I was just so used to being in the loop of campus life, whether it be baseball, whether it be doing something with Alpha or just, you know, hanging out with, with my homies that like, I never really had downtime. But now it's like, bro, I got a legit a nine to five, bro. And I can log off at five and like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I'm taking two classes instead of five, you know what I'm saying? So like, that's super easy. One class, uh, two classes a week, technically, you know what I'm saying? So that's in comparison to five, you know, daily, that joint is, you know, sweet. And yeah. And like the nonprofit is something I'm passionate about. So I don't really view it as work as much as I did some of the other stuff I did in college, bro. So um, managing that has been a lot easier than probably like what it sounds, man, just because of, you know, the difference in terms of how I live my life now um, in comparison to what I did in college, bro. Yeah. Now that's super dope. And seeing how you kind of, I guess, manage time. Cause when you are in college, I've actually, I've talked to some recent graduates. They say like time is actually more sporadic. Like yeah. things you just, they pop up, you got to do this down the third. When you kind of get in your work environment and your passion, it's all right. You know, like nine to five, I'm working on this. And then after I'm working on this, I won't have like this deadline of assignment at midnight. You know what I mean? So exactly, bro. Exactly. it's definitely one of the positives. I, you know, I want to, I guess, go back a little bit and not too much, but really to May 2020 and really the start of the pandemic, because, of course, you, you know, 50 years from now, like you're going to tell like your grandsons or, or granddaughters, like I graduated college during a pandemic, I guess for you, like, how have you felt throughout this process? Like, what were your first thoughts when it kind of came up in March when this got real serious, when May passed the summer, now in December, like, what were your thoughts when you, you realized you was going to have a virtual graduation. Yeah, man. Um, my initial reaction uh, was definitely, I was just kind of bummed about baseball. 
because uh, I was in the middle of playing balls my last year. You know, I, that was that was the most important thing to me at that time in my life, which is finishing baseball out the right way. And I was I was doing that, man. Um, I was cool with school being out, though. I was mm. I was ready to go home, bro. I was tired. My mental had been trained, bro. Um, I was cool with all of it, man. I was I wanted to go home. Like I was, um, I, I guess in a different space than everyone else. But I I also saw it as an opportunity. I never saw the pandemic or Corona or any of that as like outside of it being devastating to like what it's done to the economy, what it's doing to people, especially from underrepresented backgrounds, like. For me personally, it gave me an opportunity to rest, bro. And I didn't realize how much I needed it. Um, of course, I found, you know, a way to do a project in the midst of it with those uh, COVID tees with, with Mace and Malik, yeah. um, which was cool, you know, but like, ultimately, bro, like I, I needed that. I needed that break. So my whole mentality moving into, you know, around the virtual graduation and stuff like that was I, I was okay with it. Um Huge reason was, bro, I did everything I could have done in college, bro. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm i not the type of dude who's going to read off his resume or anything like that, but you know, I, I legit did everything I could have wanted to do at Morehouse. And I think that final piece, of course, graduating would have been dope. Seeing the homies, you know, get their diploma, you know, and just having that experience would have been cool, man. But like, in terms of my Morehouse experience, I was good, bro. Like, I had done everything I wanted to do. So, um that didn't really phase me, bro, as much as it might have someone else, man. And I just kind of took that time to rest and kind of regroup and think about long term, like, okay, I'm done with school. Like, what, like what's next for me? Yeah. No, that's dope. And even seeing, because, you know, pandemic started in March and you saying actually school became, I guess, maybe easier. You had more time to just kind of knock out stuff. You're done. Go to the next thing. And of course, like, it's your last semester. Like, they shouldn't be pushing you to, you know, some extent, like you're a freshman or sophomore. And then also, you know, I kind of really, I was interested in learning more, not just really within Morehouse, but I noticed, you know, you do a lot, you know, I've saw you've done internships with Google, you've done stuff with Forbes, the two six project, you're into baseball. Um, even I see you around, like you definitely, I think, see you have an interest for fashion. Like, how do you put all that together? And even kind of the concept, you know, some people say, jack of all trades you need to focus on one thing like how do you balance that that's the, the it's crazy i was just talking to my line brothers about this man um i've always kind of had a diverse skill set in a sense like i've always been able to kind of jump into different lanes um ever since i was a kid I, i've had that um but i'm getting to an age now where i'm realizing the value and and specializing in something man so um yeah, like dog, I got a lot of passions. I got like I got a lot of heart, bro. I just got like a lot of things I want to get off, man. And and I do my best, man, to always try to say this, you know, like like I, I do think God is the greatest, man. And and he's positioned me in places that has allowed for me to to tackle some of these passions head on, bro. So um for me, a lot of that just starts with man, him giving me that opportunity to even step in lanes, you know. Um I think the second piece is man, if it's not attached to me growing in some sense, or if it's not attached to an agenda of freedom, like I, I don't usually latch onto it um, or I usually don't pursue it, right? I think everything I've done is as different as it may seem, it is probably what people would consider on brand for someone like me, right? Like I don't really do anything out of the norm that doesn't align with me. So um, there's that factor. And then I also think, bro, an important thing to think about is, um, 
I don't believe in like lanes, bro. I don't believe in like just having one thing to offer. I, I've never felt like that. So even as like a psych major, I was like, bro, how can I tap into a tech industry? Um, <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Bro, how, how can I, as a, a, as a kid who doesn't, I don't really care about fashion, bro. Like I, I think Mason and Malik will tell you, bro, I don't, I, I wear like the same two fits or whatever, bro. Like I, I'm not really into that lane, but I'm into connectivity, man. I'm into people and storytelling. How can a kid like me find a way to use those passions to connect people through that lane of fashion, right? Like, like all those things have aligned so well for me. And I, you know, I, again, I just kind of thank God for putting me in a position to be able to even get some of these ideas and concepts off, man. Um, but they're all interconnected. And I think that's what allows for me to kind of bounce around, bro. Cause bounce it's around to, and feel fine. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's all the same, bro. Okay. I got you. So I'm, I'm going to ask you kind of yourself, like, what's the biggest realization you've made since you've graduated being, you know, and kind of, I guess this kind of, I guess, eighth month period, virtual graduation, going back home. I know, of course, like now you're supposed to be in Mountain View with Google, but now with the pandemic, everybody's working remote. Like what's been the, the biggest realization since you graduated? Um, man, um, <laughs> there's so many I, i've been by myself a lot lately being home um and it's given me an opportunity to practice you know awareness bro like real true self-awareness and um i've been in the process man of just killing my ego like i think the the person in the life that i lived in college was cool for that time but I think a lot of the stuff that I'm attached to, a lot of the stuff that a lot of our peers are attached to are all um, ego replenishing mechanisms, bro. It's all about our ego, right? And I think once I stepped out of Morehouse, I realized, bro, like all the stuff that I was doing had some way, shape or form, whether it be positive or negative, they were um, influencing my ego and, and I had to kill that, bro. So like, my biggest realization moving forward is, man, like, despite the fact that I work at Google, despite the fact that I'm, you know, in grad school at, a, at an Ivy League institution, despite the fact that I have a business and I'm all these different things, bro, like, like, I have to find ways to kill my ego, bro, because that's going to keep me level headed. That's going to keep me focused on really growing, bro, um, and not being caught into the things that can keep me stagnant as, a, as an individual. Um, and I think that killing, killing my ego, bro, that, that, that has been my mantra, bro, literally the last six months, man. Would, would you say it's more just, cause of course, you know, young black men, you're, you're a role model for, for a lot of people, especially me, you know, when I came somewhere else, I didn't even know like what I was doing and you created emerging leaders, you know, I guess, how do you try to kill your ego? Cause of course, like you said, when you work at the biggest tech company in the world, Ivy League grad school, businesses, nonprofits, like, is it, do you think it's a lot of times it's the affirmations of people saying, oh, you're killing it. I love what you're doing. And sometimes your head can be like a little too high. I think we go to an institution, bro. Excuse me. I went, that's crazy to think about. I went to an institution. That, <laughs> Past tense. Yeah, bro. That is crazy still. But um, I think that has perpetuated that as being like the that's what you want right like you want the google job bro you want to go to columbia or harvard yeah. you want to 
you want to be the hot master. You know, you want to be the guy that everyone looks at. You want to be the example, right? And I think I kind of fit the bill in a lot of those ways. Um, and I worked, I worked, I worked hard for that, bro. Like I worked hard to get in every space that I ever got in. But when I got to those spaces, every single one of them, bro, I, I, I was like, why? Like, what does this mean, bro? And I think killing my ego was like the thing that allowed for me to put things into perspective. It allowed for me to understand at a greater sense, like, okay, what is my why? Right. And, and for me, that is, and, and what that looks like is this mantra I've been having with the two, six project with my team um, with my last couple of events has been man effort over outcome, right? Like, like if you can really put your energy into your effort and put your energy into like, um, all of the things that people may not see and relinquish whatever attachment you may have to the outcomes, like the praise, right? The likes on social media, like the bread you get, bro. When you, when you begin to allow the effort to work there, bro, there's that self-fulfillment, right? And I think that's what I was like, now I feel it, you know, now I've done a couple, I've done two projects and I've never been more proud of these projects because I actually felt like, I was fulfilled like doing them joints, bro. So I think for me that that all that whole killing your ego thing that all goes back to, like I said, man, your uh it all goes back, man, to your effort, man, and understanding the value of putting your effort over your outcome. And that kind of centers you and it, it allows for you to, to kill your ego. Yeah, no, that that's super dope. Um, you know, next thing, let's go back a little bit. Let's go to and I don't know the age range, but I know you have like a tie to your favorite rapper, J. Cole. I'm wondering for yourself, like, how did J. Cole end up getting you to Morehouse College? Like, what happened? What did he say to you? Like, how did that come about? Um, it was, it was a conversation, bro. I think, um, okay, I was in I was in this video when I was a kid. I was probably like 10. I was in the sixth grade. I don't know how old you were in the sixth grade, but I was- Yeah, he's like probably 11, 12 years old. In the video, he a cool dude, man, like, and um, obviously he blows in between the time that I'm in the sixth grade till I'm in high school. Like, he becomes, you know, the superstar that we know him as now. Um, yeah. And I was working at a uh, at a restaurant, bro. I was busting tables, washing dishes. I was, like, 16, 17. Um, and I used to get off work and try to go eat because I would get off super late. And there's this wing spot called Kickback Jack's in the city. Cole East there. I wasn't expecting to see him or nothing like that, bro. I just pulled up. He was there. I went over to his management and like, they're like, yo, he's not doing pictures. It's on the third. I was like, I don't want a picture. I just want to tell him thank you. Cause I'm in a position now at 17 where I got some baseball offers and one of them was from Morehouse. Um, and I just want to tell him thank you for, you know, as a kid telling me I need to go to college legit. Um, and when I told him the story, bro, he just like, cool. It wasn't but like a five minute combo, bro. He literally was like, man, that's what's up, man. I just went to Morehouse, bro. You should really consider it, like consider leaving home. Like a and is a great school. And it was, those are the two schools I was gonna go to. It wasn't a secret. I was gonna go come into A&T or Morehouse. Um, and he said, bro, just go see if you like it. You know, I, I went, I talked in the psych department, um, cool professor and you might like it. So I, my, my aunt lives um, on Fulton Industrial, bro. So it's 20 minutes from Morehouse. I wasn't tripping on going. I went down, bro. ASW was great. Met Dr. Rice, who was the professor that taught to J. Cole, who also became my mentor. 
um and it's crazy enough he sits on the board of the two six project now but like <laughs> like i said all those things bro it's all alignment kind of like we were talking about earlier bro like i can't even make that up you know so i think cole didn't he didn't like get me to morehouse but um his encouragement allowed for me to take a risk and it was a risk that um changed my life bro you know yeah no that's crazy seeing how what he just said just one two lines you're like all right i guess i'm gonna do this it's, it's j cole you know <laughs> i think yeah for, especially for someone like me who's from the city bro who like looked up to j cole listened to his music was extremely like inspired by a lot of the stuff that he was doing around the city bro like again it was a conversation but it was something also that allowed for me to like say okay yeah the stuff that you were thinking like it's okay to pursue it, man. So yeah, man, I, I'm blessed enough to have had those opportunities and experiences, man. And, and again, that conversation did change my life. Yeah. I guess now being more in that position, being a lot older, when kids or any younger person kind of talks to you, how do you convince, I wouldn't say convince them, but talk to them about an HBCU, a Morehouse, a Howard, or whatever school they want to go to. Like to, for you, you know, of course, like we're both young black men and we grew up kind of like praising athletes, entertainers. Like I grew up, like I watched a bunch of LeBron. I listened to Jay-Z and Kanye West and that was about it. You know what I mean? So I guess, you know, when you talk to like young men of color, even young women of color, what do you say to them to say like, why should I go to an HBCU? Because you know, a lot of times it's like, I don't know if I want to be around a bunch of black kids. Uh, I don't know if I want to be in the South. Like, like, what do you say to kids? Man, um, you have to let them talk to you. I don't say much. Um, like a lot of times, man, like, and I'm just going to go back to again, like God is the greatest man. Like, like I think a lot of kids know the answers to their questions. And sometimes they just need a person to talk it through. And if I can be that person for them, like, I let them do that, you know? And I think a lot of times you don't know who's watching you. You don't really, I don't think about it, bro. I don't see myself as a role model. You know, I don't see myself as anything other than a kid trying to figure it out himself. So like, if, I, if I'm in front of a kid and they're talking about why they may want to go to an HBCU, you, they'll tell you literally why they want to go. They'll tell you the reasons why they don't think it's feasible, especially the Morehouse Clark Spellman's when you're talking kids leaving their home state and you talk about finances, like, a lot of the times kids will walk you through that themselves. Um, yeah. And my, I think my role is to just allow for them to understand that like whatever barriers you put on yourself mentally is what's going to carry out. You know what I'm saying? If you tell yourself you're going to go and I'll tell you a prime example of somebody who told me they were going to go to Morehouse College and was going to make an impact the minute they got to Morehouse College from Fayetteville. Drayshawn Spearman, AKA DJ Rico Valley. Rico, Rico, yeah. I met Dre Sean when he was a, a, a junior, a junior in high school. And he came, he came to our high school basketball game. And it's our schools are like, you know, slick rivals, you know, and like he literally just told me, like, bro, I heard you to Morehouse, dude. Like, I heard you going to Morehouse. I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm going to Morehouse. And he's like, I'm gonna go to Morehouse too, and I'm gonna be that guy. Like, I remember Dre Sean being that kid. So it doesn't surprise me now that he's who where he is who he is now yeah like and Dre Sean came from a much different situation than I came from you know what I'm saying like his story is completely separate right but he's a kid I watched go from from the basically the the majority black school in Fayetteville 
to, to Morehouse, created a brand as a DJ and an entrepreneur. And now he's where he is, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, he never put those limits on himself. So it doesn't surprise me when mm-hmm. kids, like I can tell when a kid's for real about something and when they're like on the fence, you know? And I think my role is to honestly, when it comes to HBCU stuff like that, man, one, especially if you're trying to go to Morehouse, man, just let them know that they got someone there that like can literally help them, right? Because I don't think I had that only one from Fable that went, but two, man, just let them know like, yo, like these are the benefits of going, bro. You get to see different things. Like you can't get that same experience at any other institute. I tell people that all the time and that's no knock against any other HBCU or college. It's just like, it's the nature of the beast. There's only one Morehouse. There's only one Spelman. There's only one. Like, there's literally only one. So, yeah, um, yeah, man, I think a lot of times kids answer those questions themselves. And it's just kind of as a, as, a, as a mentor, role model, whatever it is, like, it's really my job is to listen, bro, and allow for them to come up with that solution themselves. Yeah, no, definitely that. And that's definitely, that's really me, because a lot of times I kind of already know the answer, but you just need the confirmation or somebody to give you that confidence. You know what I mean? Um but yeah, man, let, you know, let's, let's take a quick break and then we'll go on to, and go on to the next question. Are you liking this podcast episode? If you're listening right now, show me that you're tuned in by taking a screenshot and posting your Instagram stories that you're listening to the Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Make sure to tag our official Instagram page, which is at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. I'll put the names to those in the description. To be honest, um, I'm not the perfect podcaster. Honestly, we had a slight pause because Grant had to get something. So I kind of want to just put that in there. But let's get right back into the episode. Okay, so kind of getting back to the episode, I guess I'm wondering for you, and this is kind of a very, it's a big question because, of course, like you're only like, what, 22 or 23 years old? 23. I guess, like, throughout college, like, how did you end up, like, finding clarity on your passions or things you really want to do? Because like you said, like you were involved in many things. Like, are there any, I guess, tactical tips that you would give to any person, me, anybody that's listened to this, of how they can find clarity on their passions or what they actually want to do? That's huge, bro. That's that's literally everything in college. Um, the first thing for me was just, man, involvement helps. Like I was involved, bro. Like I, I, I was extremely engaged with campus life. And I think if you're trying to go corporate, if you're trying to, you know, go to grad school, like if, 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 if corporate America, if that's the thing that you want to do, excuse me, the, the thing that really shifts everything is when you know somebody, right? Like a lot of like the success for me came from the fact that I knew somebody, bro. And they put me on, yeah. like, it's not a secret. Like, uh, like they, you see, bro, like can be a beautiful place if you know the right people and involvement sparked that for me. And it provided clarity on the stuff that I wanted to do and on the stuff that I didn't want to do, bro. Like I, I knew I didn't want to work at a job where I'd have to wear a tie, bro, and a suit every day. I knew I didn't want to you know, like um, with grad school and stuff, I didn't, I wasn't trying to take the ACT, uh, ACT. I wasn't trying to take the uh, GRE, bro. I wasn't trying to like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, watching guys struggle through certain things was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I like doing that, you know? So it's just like being involved, bro. Um, and then there's that whole piece of like mentors, bro. It's that whole piece of like, really understanding like 
bro. It's just, I, I think understanding like champions, bro, people who like vouch for you and then understanding people who actually mentor you, like sit down and like walk you through a process. You feel me? Like there are certain things and certain um, people that can shift that for you if you're involved. So my biggest tip of, or advice to anyone looking to like jump into corporate America or like anything like that coming from like Morehouse specifically, bro, is like get involved because it's the people that are involved that understand what's going on. They understand when the career fairs are. They understand and know who's in these positions. They are the ones who can call dudes to put you in a position to put you in rooms to make that stuff shake for you. You know what I'm saying? So I think that is ultimately the difference, bro. Uh, yeah. In my experience. Yeah. Not great, great tips. And even I guess bridging, and I think you actually spoke about this um, and we'll talk about this talk that you had a little bit later, as far as there's a lot of kids, not just in the land university center, but in college to where a lot of us are natural creatives we're natural entrepreneurs, but there's still bills to pay. We still want to be able to have a sustainable job. We still got to pay off loans and, you know, you go into the corporate realm, I guess, how do you bridge the gap? Because a lot of times you're like, there's a lot of moving parts when you're trying to, when you're trying to do both. It's like you're checking, you're doing work emails and you're in Excel spreadsheet, but then you end the day and you got to go like cold call and outreach people for your nonprofit or a podcast or a YouTube channel. Like, I guess, how do you try to bridge the gap? What advice would you give bridging the two? If you really like it, bro, if you really want to do it, if it's something you're super passionate about, and I'm talking like anything outside of the corporate context, right? You'll make the time for it. You'll put in the extra hours for it. I think um, you also kind of have to, early on, you got to take what's given to you, bro. Like, I know <laughs> I know a lot of homies that was just like, bro, I'm not doing it unless I'm getting paid. I'm not doing it unless, like. And yeah, it's a terrible mindset. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, Okay, so just to give you an example, like Adobe, um, I, I did a project with Adobe where I got a chance to executive produce um, a video series, right? And um, that opportunity came from me working at Google, bro. I'm in, I'm at Google. I'm, I'm with this dude, Ernest Holmes, man. He runs a great- oh, yeah, um, I, know, I know Ernest, Codehouse. Yeah, yeah, so me and Ernest are chopping it up with this dude from Adobe, this man, Cass, Cass Taylor. He's an executive no, he's a creative producer at Adobe, man. Like one of the, the, the dopest people over at Adobe. I tell him like, yo, I want to do this, this program at Google. I just need like an OG stamp. Like I just need somebody to pull through and do a creative masterclass. He said, I got you, right? I don't pay him. He doesn't pay me. It's just, he was in Atlanta at the right time. So that entire project impact thing that I threw my senior yeah. year, Cass made that happen, right? And he saw the kind of pull I might've had with, with, with some kids around this, the, the, the school, Nobody gets paid, right? But it was a dope event. He loved it. I did the recap for him. He loved it. A year later, literally a year later, like to that date almost, he's like, yo, I need somebody who knows stuff about HBCUs that can put together a video series, right? Again, it wasn't like paid, bro. It wasn't something that's paid. But now I'm in a process with Adobe of working on a project I can't talk about yet. But that's huge. That's yeah. pain. You feel me? And it's like, yeah. because I took the time to build the relationships, bro, because like I took what was handed, I was able to build something from that, bro. And I think early on, you just got to be able to like have the foresight to see like, okay, I can get bread off this eventually. One, if I put the work in, but two, like sometimes you just got to build a portfolio. Sometimes you got to build the work. I think um, there's a lot of guys in our generations that, like, that they want to be like, 
these experts, right? And they want to give advice and they want to be top dogs, but they haven't put the hours into to be those things or, or yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's just, I understand processes, bro. I understand like it, it takes time, but most importantly, bro, I understand the value of relationships with people and how regardless of if you're pushing your personal project or you're in the corporate space, like you just don't know who people know and you don't know what people can do for you, bro. So I think that's been like my saving grace, bro, throughout this entire experience. Yeah. And in a sense, that's kind of, I don't know if I like the term, but like social capital in a sense to have a network or portfolio. And it's very weird. Cause like, honestly, like you and me, we can, we can probably both say when you're going through the process, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know the end goal. Like it's, you have an idea, but like, you don't know the outcome or like where things are going to go. Shoot. A lot of times you're building something. You don't know what you're doing. Zero clue, Zero clue bro. Yeah. Zero. Um, and just seeing that, cause even sometimes I think that like when I'm podcasting, I'm like, yo, like, I think this is for you. Like you're my 34th episode. Wow, bro. Wow, bro. Like that's impressive, bro. No cap. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> and even too, when I, when I think these things through, it's at least the guess for me, it becomes easier as far as I have a bigger portfolio. So some people they'll do podcasts and it's like, they have two episodes where it's like, cool. But once you get like 10, 15, 20, 30, it's like, oh, this person's consistent. They love what they're doing. They've had different guests on. They can like run a podcast decently. Um, and I don't know, like for me, it's not about the money. Of course, like I do want to make money off this and that would be nice to have another stream of income, but I just love doing it. And then it's, like I said, social capital is building relationships, building a network and those can go, you don't know where those could go. You know what I mean? Um, I, you know, the next thing I really want to talk about, and this is just more actually about you being a speaker. I don't know if you notice this, but you really are a great speaker. And I've noticed you spoke to Bill Clinton. Um, you know, we can talk about that a little bit and then leading programs such as Emerging Leaders. I guess even before we go into the kind of like the speaking thing and how you became that, what was it like when Bill Clinton was interviewing you? Funny enough, bro, it's, it's, it's um, again, bro, God is the greatest dog. It's, it's like talking to you, bro. And I'm saying that and, and I'm saying it in a meaning like, He's a man at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? And I think as crazy as an experience and opportunity that was, I, I I still get more nervous talking to like my parents if I do something bad than I probably would talk talking to a former president. Just because I understand, bro, the value and how I got to that point and what that conversation meant. That conversation meant more to, I think, everyone else like than it probably did to me, bro. Um, I was more inspired by what we were talking about than I probably was talking to him. We were talking about emerging leaders, this idea I had when I was 19 years old, mm -hmm. right? That to me was the inspiration. That to me was like, bro, bump the fact that we on the phone right now. Like, I'm just geeked that like, bro, an idea I had when I was 19 is something that you would find valuable enough to, to, to discuss on a panel. Like that joint yeah. For me, that was like, bro, EOP one today, like Morehouse one today, like, okay, yeah, I might be the, the vehicle they're using to speak about it. But in the day, like, it was y'all that did that, bro. I, I literally had nothing to do with it, man. So when I talk about the President Clinton thing, for me, it's always, it always goes back to emerging leaders, bro. It always comes back yeah. to this idea that started my sophomore year that turned into a 
point that got me to speak to a president, bro. And, and again, like, I'm grateful that God put me in a position to do that, bro. For real. Yeah, no, that that's so dope. And seeing, because I noticed when you guys started talking about emerging leaders, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was a part of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, that was y'all. It's, it's, I, yeah, bro, that was y'all. I, I tried to do my best to make sure that, like, when I broadcast those things that I'm putting the people in place that like deserve that shine because as much as like again it's that ego thing right like people may have saw it like yo Grant talked to the president and I try to promote like promo it as yo like today I had a conversation about an idea I had when I was 19 that I shared with you guys that I shared with a group of young men that are still at Morehouse, right? Like, yeah. like that to me is way much bigger story than Grant talked to President Clinton. You feel me? Yeah. Um, that was y'all, bro. I, I I keep telling, I told everyone that, bro. That was y'all. It had nothing to do with me, bro. Y'all made wow. that joint hard. That's crazy. I guess let's let's go back a little bit before we go on to more of the speaker stuff. Talking and really speaking about emerging leaders, how did that idea come about? How did you put that together? Like, what was the process? Can, tell people, for the people that don't know, what Emerging Leaders is. Right, so uh, ELP, Emerging Leaders, was a leadership development program um, designed for underclassmen at Morehouse. Um, honestly, the idea came when I was interning for Dean Washington in the Department of Student Services. I don't know if that's still what they call it, but I was the intern there. Um, and I told him that there was a group a freshman that inspired me as a freshman like there was some of my friends essentially and I felt like if we had a cohort of guys that we could grow with from different halls there would be some type of connecting like piece and that that, that Dean Washington and me kept talking about just in terms of the freshman experience so we started creating um that that whole office kind of did their thing and and they kind of blessed me with the opportunity to run it, bro. And I mean, dog, as a junior, bro, that was like the coolest thing I was a part of, but that was cooler than being an alpha, bro, for me. Like that was cooler mm. than baseball team. That was cool. Like, like I got a chance to create something that 25, 30, at some point, it was like 40, bro. It was a bunch of y'all like that, like this program that like kids came and we got to discuss real topics, bro. We got a chance to connect with each other outside of the context of Morehouse, bro. Like, and it was a safe space for y'all to be able to grow as, as young men, bro. And be connected yeah. to, again, like we talked about, be connected to campus leaders, um, be connected to um, people who are doing stuff in the business world. Like I remember bringing Sam Abrams in, bro, to like talk to y'all about like, you know, what you yeah, can Sam's do. My, Sam's my guy. To people who don't know Sam, Sam's a, very smart, intelligent, good, good dude, good person. Now works at McKenzie. Like Sam is one of the dudes who like he mentored me. You know what I mean? He got in yeah, a like, at the same time. Like, bro, he's he's Sammy's up, but it's like, okay, how can I connect Sam Abrams with a freshman or sophomore who may have that same acumen, right? Like, how can we take uh, I think we brought in dudes from Casa? Like, how can we get the kids that want to do creative stuff and yeah. pipeline to like that was emerging leaders. It was supposed to be like this connecting bridge to put kids in positions to be exposed to the different stuff that campus has to offer um, and just have access to like valuable guys on campus. And like it grew into something that was so much bigger than probably what it could have been. And I wasn't prepared for it, which is why I was so unorganized and like so like 
it was bro it was it was unorganized it was it was a lot bro and I couldn't I couldn't like sit down to scale it because it just kept growing bro and I couldn't like stop kids from coming in I couldn't I was not I'm not a type of person so it just like I had to um you know at one point I, I it just I had to let it rock for what it was bro and it just turned into like this family bro like this real solid core where we're just like I would say 25 guys bro um yeah and it sparked the conversation with yeah even to like bring up and talking about the program because a lot of times of course like me to give a background like me and grant haven't talked for a minute like basically i think since like fall 2019 even like before that just because of the pandemic and him graduating um the emerging leaders program at the time like i'm from the central valley of california to where like i was like the only person from like my county or area to like go to morehouse or go to an hbcu so when i first got to emerging leaders like when i came to morehouse in general i didn't know anyone like I didn't know a soul and being in a space to where as a bunch of young black men, because I think actually with the program, I think you guys said it during like one of our events, like during first week of first week of like orientation and all that. And all the people who went, they went for a reason. They want to learn, they want to engage, they want to bring community. And it kind of let me see like other people who had like, like minds like me. And to be honest, bro, before I was doing the uh, prep for this interview, I went through like your YouTube page and I saw, I looked at the video and I was like, whoa, like all those people that like were in those chairs, like I know now they're doing great things. They're all like juniors. Like it's, it's very wild to see like the, like the outcome of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Intentionality, it, it, intentionality will do a lot, man. And I think, um, you know, and again, bro, like I was a kid that was like in the like stroll, you know, I was in the stroll, but I was into like the Maroon Tiger too. Like I wrote for the Maroon Tiger my freshman year. I played baseball, bro. Like, like I was in, like I did CLI. If you don't know what that is, it's Career Leadership Institute, um, which put me in a position to understand that psychology can be a means to get me into a corporate context. Like I was super involved, right? And I felt like that meant nothing if there was a kid that was coming into Morehouse that, could use maybe some of that exposure and just kind of needed someone to tell them like, oh, yo, this, if you need help doing this, just do that. Like, and I think EOP served as a, a dope medium for that. And I think um, the dudes who went through it are, are incredible, bro. Amazing young men. Um, and I wish I could have done better with that, bro. That's one, I want to say it's a regret, bro, but I wish I could have, um, I wish it was more organized and I wish that I would have, done a better job of, of the continuation of it, man, and, and making sure that the next generation of guys who want to lead that effort are equipped with what they need to do it, bro. Um, that's yeah. like the downside to ELP, bro. It's like, I didn't set that up right, bro. Yeah. Well, I guess this last thing about ELP, like the dudes who now kind of run it or lead it, guys like Alex or Charles, like. Alex Hurley, my guy. Alex Her Alexander Hurley, oh my God, goodness. Um, that's my guy. Those are my guys. You gave the leadership positions to people that I know they're going to do great just because I know them like firsthand, like I've talked to them. So like, yeah, maybe it didn't go the way you expected it to, but you were able to put people in positions that can maybe do that can do it better, you know, going on. Cause you know, it just takes time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I pray, bro. I pray for that, man. Um, so, you know, let's get back to the speaking thing. And I don't know if you know this, I guess, how did you become a better speaker? Like, was it, has it been natural? Was there, was there tips you took from people? Is it certain, is it a certain skill set? Like, how did you get that together? My pops is in the military. 
right? So I watched my dad for the bulk of my life. Um, like he was a master sergeant, so he was constantly commanding people to do stuff. Not like in a bad way, but he was a leader. Like I watched him communicate with people. My dad was also a coach. So like watching the way he talked to players and young people, like I, I, I learned through him. My mom is an educator. So, um, you know, just off the strength, I was articulate. Like I'm around my mom all the time. So like certain words that probably a young black kid wouldn't know, like I would know and I'd be able to articulate it and be able to, you know, express myself the way that I wanted to. Um, I was a YouTube freak as a kid, dog. Like I watched interviews after interviews after interview. Like I was big on like Nardwar, bro. I was big on uh, hip hop, bro, and just music. And words were something that were super important to me and being able to communicate how I felt was always big to me. Um, and I was a black boy during the time that a black man was running for president. So I was extremely like inspired by Barack Obama, bro. Extremely inspired by the civil rights movement. So the Dr. Kings and Malcolm X's. And was I was, I was the weird kid, like while kids were playing video games, like I'd be on YouTube watching Malcolm X debate at Cambridge, listening to James Baldwin, like talk. Like I was, I love that, bro. And um, I got in a speech contest when I was like in fifth grade. I won like the state award for it. And I just kind of knew from a young age I was going to be able to communicate, bro, mm -hmm. um, and communicate well and effectively. I don't think that there's like a, a tip anyone's ever given me other than like before you say something, just think about it. But like, <laughs> I think I naturally just kind of had like the 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 orator type feel, bro. And it wasn't anything that I don't think anyone could have taught me, bro. I just kind of grew into, you know, the speaking thing. I never have considered myself as a great public speaker. I've never really like sat and thought about that, bro. It's just yeah. something that I can do, I guess. And it's something that I've, I guess I've been known to do. I, I haven't really sat and like thought about it, but yeah, bro. Um, I had an extremely impressionable upbringing, bro, and was inspired by those different influences, dog. And like, you know, man, quite frankly, dog, I, I, I never saw myself as like the, the a public speaker or anything like that, bro. You kind of yeah. like the first people to ever hit me with that. Yeah. I mean, now that military background, that, I was curious. I was like, oh, that's the answer. But also too, as somebody myself who is a podcaster, who is in a sense a journalist, a person who watches interviews all the time and goes to events, I can like, easily kind of tune out people or like I or sometimes I won't. Like when I hear you speak, I'm like, all right, I'll listen. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm coming from because trust me, a lot of times people get on the mic or they speak and I kind of just zone out. And you're not one of those people. So keep doing what you're doing. No, nah, man, that's love, bro. It's definitely love, bro. So, you know, next thing I really want to get to, and this is, you know, the thing that you're really doing now, you know, what is the two six project? You know, how did the idea come about? You know, what things are you doing within it? Like, how did that, how did that process happen? Two six project. Um, I've been thinking about doing this joint since I was a senior in high school. Um, I just didn't know how to do a nonprofit. I didn't know like the steps. I didn't know like what all it took. And then I went to Morehouse. So it just kind of like faded to the back of my memory. I had a homie who was killed in a car accident, man, 2019. And it shifted my perspective on what I want to do with my life, dog. Because, you know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, man, that joint just, it just impacted me hard. So 
I called Dre Sean Spearman, aka DJ Rico Valley, and told that man, like, yo, I want to do something for the city. I want to do this nonprofit. I said, if like if I don't do it, like, like who's gonna do it, bro? So me, he was just really on me, bro. Dre Sean was just really on me about getting the paperwork in and doing it, bro. So we set up this 501c3 organization called the 26 Project. It started, man, really as this idea to serve as an incubator for leadership development, very aligned with like the stuff that I'm already doing, but just more so focused for the kids in Fayetteville. Um, you know what I'm saying? I think um, I, I, I genuinely, bro, really just wanted um, to run programs in the city, dog. So like this time last year, bro, um, we ran a baseball clinic with my homie, Kobe Vance, who plays baseball for the Oakland A's. My little brother uh, got drafted out of high school and then myself, and we just ran a camp, dog. Um, you know, we really just finished our, like, I would say our fourth real program this past week, bro, um, with my brother. Uh, his name is Victor Fontanez, man. Vic is a celebrity barber um, and entrepreneur from Fayetteville. We did it. $10,000 worth of toys, man, clothes, food for the community, dog. Like, it was so beautiful, right? Um, but but the project itself, man, is essentially just an incubator for intentional programming. Wow. Okay. No, that's... I, I For me, I love hearing nonprofit stories, especially now since you did it during the pandemic. Because uh, everything's hard. Like, it's just harder to do. You know what I mean? You can't see people in person. I don't know. Actually, how's... Uh, I guess how's your area doing with like the whole COVID cases? Because like in California, it's it's very different to what the South I see is going on. Bro, like it's crazy. I'm just gonna <laughs> wait. I just you have to like. I guess it clarifies. Everybody wear a mask. Is it half half? Is it seventy yeah. thirty? Like yeah, bro. It's it's it's, it's curfew. Obviously, uh, I got a ten p.m. curfew here. People wear the mask for the most part, you know what I'm saying? Um, Fayetteville is, as a city, uh, <laughs> it's diverse, bro. Fayetteville is a melting pot, bro. I think it's, I think the racial joint is like 47% black, 47% white. And wow. it's literally one of the most diverse cities in the country. So like, um, there were no, there weren't any real like riots and stuff early in the pandemic around like, you know, the social justice things that were like that whole movement, like people marched, like Cole came back to the city. Uh, my, my boy Dennis came and marched, like all those things happened, but there was no like, people weren't blowing up buildings and stuff like that wasn't the, that wasn't the scene in Fayetteville. Yeah. Um, yeah, bro. It's, it's, it's an extremely interesting place to, to, to do business, bro. Yeah. No, nah, that, that I, I guess for me, like being somebody who is from Northern California, like I've always want to visit Fayetteville and just kind of see the, <laughs> what it's like, you know, I don't want to mess up the way I'm saying it too. Cause I know it's different, bro. Like, you know, like the, the lingo is and like the, the vernacular. It's like when you go from one area of the country to another, you're just like, yo, yeah. I didn't know people talk like this. It's different. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm learning it's every day. It's crazy when people say, yo, they they wish or they want to come visit Fayetteville because it's just like, when you're from Fayetteville, you just know like there's really nothing. There's here. nothing to do. You know, it's like, it's, it's it's a cool little city, man. But it's like, yo, it's like an American city, man. You got your couple restaurants, dog. There's mm -hmm. no big buildings, bro. 
um, you got your countryside, man. You got your your kind of city side, and and, and yeah. you got your ghettos, like your hoods, like yeah. everywhere else, man. It's just you know, it's Fayetteville. Yeah, I got you. All right, so I guess like last, these are the kind of my quick hitters things like off top, and you just give me an answer. Like I only have about three or four. I'm wondering if you could have a conversation with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Mm. Conversation, probably my grandfather, man. Wow. Okay, I like that. Grandfather, man. Um, my grandfather was a savant, bro. He was way ahead of his time, man. Um, and, and I miss him to death, dog. And there's things that I could ask him now that I probably wouldn't have been able to ask him when all that stuff panned out. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, my grandfather for sure. Okay. What's one thing people usually don't know about you that 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 tends to surprise people? And I'm shy. <laughs> oh wow. I'm extremely shy. Um, yeah, man, I, I like being on myself. And I think that maybe like social media or other people might lead you to think that I'm one thing, but really, bro, I'm, I'm shy. Okay, okay, got you. Yeah. I guess my last two, this is the first one. It's really, it's really quick. Favorite pair of drawings of all time? Bro, the Bordeaux. Yo, the Bordeaux. Okay. Bro, I, it, if anyone watches this and like they know me, they know, bro. I wore the Bordeaux every day my freshman year, bro. Those are the four stores I ever bought with my own money. So like, wow. the Bordeaux are like that's like my heart, bro. But I wear now that I'm older, I wear ones. You know, like I, I wear ones anywhere with some white socks. I got on some files right now. Um, I'm not a sneakerhead or nothing like that. It's just like yeah. I, I keep those those three four in rotation. Okay. And my last question is, and this is just I'm wondering. Who should be a guest on this podcast? Mm. I don't know, bro. I'm trying to think. That's a good question. To give you some of the people that you've said, I've already had on. So Ernest has already been on the podcast. Sam has already been on the podcast. You got to get Rico Velli on the podcast, man. Drayshawn is really, bro. Drayshawn is really like a next level like type person because he he's he did the corporate thing, but he also is like probably in his own wave in terms of the yeah. DJ stuff he'll give you a perspective one he'll give you a perspective about me that I can't mm -hmm. get because he knows me a lot different than you know the average person but Dre Sean bro okay that's, that's a good that's that's a good one do you think you could help me out with that by chance bro I, I'll call bro I'll call Dre Sean right now okay definitely I'll, thank bro, you I can get him on I can get him on in like an hour bro no cap I can get Dre Sean to pull up <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, definitely call them after this episode because a lot of times with these interviews, people will respond, but a lot of times they have so many DMs or like so many emails that they kind of just it goes through their their stuff and they're like, "Oh, I didn't even know." And then bro, they go through the podcast. I will call that man, bro. I will call that man. Like I, okay. I'll call him. Yeah, he's gonna okay. be yeah, Sean, bro. I, I know I can book Drake Sean. All right, gosh, gotcha. I definitely got some questions for him because he's got a lot. He's done a lot. Yeah, Rico's so, guy. Yeah, but um. Grant, honestly, bro, like, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like, for me, like, this means a lot just for you to kind of say some of your words of wisdom, what you've learned throughout college, now just graduating during a pandemic, you know, I know that's kind of, it's tough, but you're, you're going about it in the positive ways, the different ways you can uplift yourself in your community. So 
I just love seeing that. And just, you know, just thank you so much for coming on this podcast, man. It really means a lot. Man, I appreciate you for having me, dog. Definitely. All right, guys, this is another episode of Privileged Black Kids with your host, Kendall Camp. If you like that episode of Privileged Black Kids, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Follow our guest today on Instagram at Benny underscore NC. That's B-E-N-N-E underscore NC. I will also post the link to his LinkedIn account in the description if you want to reach out to him. Um, again, follow us on Instagram at Privileged Black Kids Podcast. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support. And thank you for listening to that episode of Privileged Black Kids.